everybody. Welcome back to Review Mania. And this week, on this episode, we're talking Steve Williams and the man, the beast. Not Brock Lesnar, but Big Van Vader. And also known as the Mastodon. The Mastodon. And I, which always reminded me of Power Rangers because... You know, Zack, you know, with his hip-hop keto, yes. his, his Megazord was the Mastodon. Yes. So did you watch the original Power Rangers? Or did oh, you yeah, watch... I, watched, I watched Power Rangers up until, um, I think, uh, Jungle Fury here. And then I switched over to the Tokusatsu version. Ah. And then I went back and I watched Zhu uh, Ranger, which is uh, what became Mighty Morphin. Oh, and um, it's okay. Um, I prefer some of the newer um, Tokusatsu shows, uh, just because <coughs> the special effects are a bit better. Mm. I mean, I loved the original Power Rangers back in like, was in sixth grade? No, I was in fourth grade. We used to call them Mighty Morphin Putty Rangers, and you'd play on the on the uh, on the playground. Good times. I only watched the first season or two, and then. Like, after the movie, I kind of just dropped off eventually. And then I found oh. wrestling or something. I don't know. Just kind of go grew Well, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's fun, it's stupid, but it's it's very much like professional wrestling. It is. It is. Hey, bird. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that the bird is not coming with me. Oh, huzzah. So, good news. Um, we only have a few more shows with a bird. Huzzah. <laughs> God damn it, bird. He was quiet the entire time before we recorded. It knows. Uh, it knows, exactly. Jesus Christ. Um, so yes. So, let's start with Steve Williams. I feel Fader is like the better known of, of professional wrestlers here. So Steve Williams, I know from the days... Of the Brawl for All. And that was really about it. I knew him as uh, this guy in the WWF. And he was with Jim Ross. And I knew he was Dr. Death, Steve Williams. But I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know he had this rich career in Japan. And, you know, he'd been around the block for a while. Yeah, well, Japan is kind of like where Steve Williams got his second rush. Because he was very (laughs) popular in the South, like in the Carolinas. In the 1980s, he was the main star of Bill Watts's UWF promotion, mm-hmm. and he was their final UWF champion. And he was also a fairly big star in Jim Cro- uh, Crockett Promotions as well. Hmm. But known for being this guy who uh, can throw you around and um, power slam you. And um, just take you down and wrestle you. Oh, wow. So, like, what moves was he, uh, you know, what moves were were his big moves? Uh, His big moves were, um, in the United States, generally was the Oklahoma Stampede, which was actually invented by Bill Watts. So, which is uh, when you uh, basically have somebody over your shoulder, the Oklahoma Stampede, you have somebody over your shoulder, you ram them into a turnbuckle, a top turnbuckle, and then you turn around and then you power, power slam, slam them. Oh, okay, that's a pretty common move. Like, uh, Brian Strowman does it. Some of the bigger guys. It's like a big man spot. 
Yeah, it's it's a big pretty big man spot. It. And then uh, in Japan, he uh, kind of was one of the innovators of uh, what is called the Doctor Bomb, um, which is still done by people like uh, Kenny Omega now, uh, which is a gut wrench sit out power bomb. Is it similar to the uh, Blue Thunder Bomb? Well, Zane does? kind of. Um, do you remember Jack Swagger? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jack Swagger did uh, a falling version of the Doctor Bomb. Basically, you pick him up in like a gut wrench, you pick him up into the power bomb position, and then Jack Swagger would like basically fall with you and then land on his stomach. Uh, Steve Williams tended to pick you up and then do a sit out power bomb. Oh, okay. It's uh, the original. Uh, that was the original finishing maneuver of one Rey Mysterio. Oh, wow. Rey yes. Mysterio Sr.? No, Rey Mysterio Jr. Jr. Okay. You didn't have the Jr., so I was like, maybe that was his dad. Um, okay, so uh, obviously Vader is much more well-known, uh, I would assume, to wrestling fans who watched you know WCW in the early 90s, uh, the WWF during the Attitude Era, and then he seemed to kind of like fade away. Like after his last final run with the WWF, we don't see him anymore in, in the States, it seems like. Pretty much. I actually think that Vader is probably most well-known, not even for his wrestling things, but for his appearances on Boy Meets World. <laughs> As being the father. Uh, yes. Maybe, I guess. I, I don't know. That's where I first knew him from, was watching Boy Meets World and seeing Big Van Vader there. Huh. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, so Big Van Vader, uh, former football player, uh, he, he, he actually was a, a very good football player. I think he got hurt, which is a common story amongst uh, these f- former football players who go into wrestling. And then he started uh, being trained in the AWA and with uh, Vern Gagne and and stuff like that. He was like called Baby Bull then. <laughs> and uh, he got noticed pretty quickly by Stan Hansen. And he got invited over to Germany uh, with Otto Wands's um, Continental Wrestling Association. Mm-hmm. And he kind of really started forming a name for himself there. And when he he got noticed over there by a guy named Antonio Inoki. And he was uh, the... Well, he wasn't the hand-picked person to actually play the Vader character, believe it or not. He's actually the second choice. I really? can't remember who the first one was. Hmm. So... So Vader was actually like supposed to be somebody else, and then that didn't go well. Uh, it fell through, and so Leon White became Vader, and he was an instant success over there. He, uh, his first match with Inoki actually caused a riot at Sumo Hall, which actually got New Japan kicked out of Sumo Hall for several years. Like what? They couldn't perform there anymore. What did he do? Like he just caused a riot. Jesus. So I don't yeah. think the Japanese so, so, like riot that often. Right. Japanese fans are genuinely like super respectful and stuff. But uh they he beat Anoki and 
it wasn't like great. And so riot happened and they just weren't allowed to perform in Zuma Hall for <laughs> a few years. Wow. They're, they're allowed to do it now because they obviously have shows there now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Well, what, what moves uh, for Vader? Well, Vader was known for a couple of things. One, he was known for having a great uh, power bomb, but Vader was also one of the first big men who could actually fly somewhat. So he had a sling, uh, the sling slot, uh, slingshot splash, uh, which is he goes to the second rope, bounces a couple of times, and then posts himself using the top rope, and then falls on to his opponent's uh, stomachs that way. Or he also did a uh, moonsault for a while as well. Which is crazy. Right. And he's just known for being like super stiff, um, <laughs> lariats, power bombs, things like that. There you go. <clears throat> so we've got three matches. We've got one Vader match and two Steve Williams matches to go over today. And uh Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about, Steve? Anything else you want to bring up before we get into the matches? Uh, no, these are all from uh, these matches are all from their time in Japan. I will say that um, when we get to the Vader match, um, which is the first one. <laughs> oh, the first one is the Vader match. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about where this match is actually being held, because normally when we're talking about um, Japanese wrestling, we have mostly stuck to uh, New Japan, All Japan, and Noah for our uh, matches. Now, the last Japan show that we did, we did um, more of an indie style, and we talked about Big Japan and uh, DDT. Yep. But the promotion that Vader is actually fighting in, in this um, match is one called UWFI. This is the second promotion... Uh, in Japan to go under the UWF name, the Universal Wrestling Federation. And what's different about this federation is that um, they were one of the first uh, professional wrestling uh, promotions to do shoot-style professional wrestling, meaning that there are countouts. Uh, there's not necessarily pins, but there's countouts, uh, like a standing tent count, like you would see in boxing and submissions. And the initial version of the UWF was a shooting off of new Japan founded by the original tiger mask and, uh, uh, Fujiwara, the guy who invented the arm bar hmm. and it went under. <laughs> wait, wait, wait there. I never knew. I just I called it Fujiwara arm bar because it. Sounded cool. So yeah, no, no there was a guy. Uh, he's actually still wrestles. He's like in his seventies. Holy shit! Uh, called like uh, Yoshiyuki Fujiwara, and that was his move. Huh? Yeah. So these two guys took a group of people from New Japan and they formed the UWF, and this was around like 1988. It was pretty popular for a while, but it was kind of corrupt in terms of the money situation which happens a lot in Japanese <laughs> say, professional seems wrestling. to happen quite a bit because the mob's usually involved and then um they reformed the uwf in the early 90s so this is the second go-around uh, the second go-around is kind of no uh notable 
not because mm-hmm. Vader was there. Vader was a uh, New Japan star primarily, but a lot of people who would become pretty big stars in the United States got starts there. Uh, Ken Shamrock was there. Um, Little Guido per- performed there. Oh wow, quite a bit. So there were a lot of American stars who were smaller or had a more MMA-focused um, style that got their start there and then went to other places afterwards. Oh, wow. That's neat. Yeah. Um, so how, so, long, how long did they last? Uh, the second UWF uh, folded, I think, in 1994. Hmm. Or 95, like somewhere around there. But they were they were not around like during the big wrestling boom of the mid nineties. <clears throat> so it was like what, did FMW come out of the ashes or was that completely? FMW was kind of a different thing. Um, it, it's more of an offshoot of all Japan wrestling because the guy who founded that was a guy named Onita, and he was like the star of the junior heavyweight division there, and he also was a big brawler. But he wanted to be the big star and he wasn't going to get those opportunities because of how much he weighed. So he just decided to make his own uh, brand of hardcore wrestling with uh, some high flying. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, let's get into let's get into the first match. This is a long ass sentence, but. Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship slash Best in the World 1994 Tournament. Final match. Nobu, Nobuhiko Takata versus, who's the heavyweight champion, versus Vader. April 18th, 1994. UWFI Pro. Uh, held in Tokyo in Budokan. Yes, the Budokan Hall. The Budokan Hall. All right. So Takata's entrance scene was pretty awesome. I really liked that. It was pretty cool. Vader is being billed from WCW at the time. I love that the fans chanted Takata as he came out. And for some reason, Vader took off his mask. While being announced as Super Vader. Yeah, I don't think he could go by the name Big Van Vader in UWFI because I think that was... Uh, owned by a combination WCW and New Japan. Oh, I just I think of like Big Van, like like an old like you know Van VW Bus. Yes, exactly. With a mastodon, with his mask painted on the front. Never understood Big ba- Big Van Vader. Like, well, think? I think like if you're if you're saying it in uh, Japanese, Big Van Beta and so it kind of has a, like a little uh, alliteration there ah. in the Japanese. So I think that's why they did it. Gotcha, gotcha. It doesn't necessarily translate. <laughs> so is there a reason why he took off his mask? I don't understand. Like he didn't wear his mask at all. I don't. I don't. Is it just come with you know, the? You know, not. I think it was mostly because this is more of like shoot fight. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I, you'd mentioned that, so I was like, okay, maybe they want to be more sports presentation, not necessarily. Pro wrestling. Right, because like in if you're in an MMA fight, you're not gonna be allowed to have headgear on. But also later on anyway, Vader didn't really fight with a mask on and 
for a whole lot of his career. Like in the WWF, he often took his mask off. Yeah. Um, when he left the WWF and kind of got rejuvenated uh, in in Noah and Old Japan in the in like 2000, he didn't really wear his mask. Um, kind of to his detriment. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I mean, obviously they had a working agreement of some kind, but who from UWF was showing up at WCW this time, do you know? Honestly, I don't think there was a lot of people from UWF who were actually showing up at WCW. Gotcha. To be, to be I mean, honest, at this time, I think they probably wanted Vader. Okay, fair enough, because I mean, this time, this is before Nitro, this is before Hulk Hogan, this is like before the Eric Bischoff you know, gets the reins of WCW. Right. And like at the time there were like white men putting on yellow face to, to appear Japanese Oh no, and, and, and things like that. Oh no. In, in, in WCW. So like, I don't think they necessarily wanted Japanese wrestlers. Now later on, of course they had uh, Liger. And, I always uh, remember Liger. They had, they had Liger and they had uh, a guy named Kurosawa there. Who later on uh, was uh, who? Who still wrestles in New Japan as Manabu Nakanishi, oh. and um, they also had uh, Kensuke Sasaki and. Um, I always remember Suzuki. Hmm? I always remember Suzuki or whatever. Um, um, Suzuki wasn't there. No. Oh, okay. I don't know what I'm thinking of then. All right, so let's get into the match because I got a lot to go over. So, uh, he's introduced. Before the match even begins, they shake hands. And then fire Vader fires up the crowd as the bell rings. Uh, showing a sportsmanship, which was nice. And, you know, I was ex- seeing the UW for the first time. I didn't know what to expect. I thought this was pro wrestling. So I was thinking, oh, okay. He's coming in from the States. Wants to show respect. Um, but, uh, yeah. After some jostling and feeling out... Vader finally gets his hands on Takeda with some big punches and knocks him down. And then there's a knockdown count that needs to be followed. And then... That needs to be followed. Okay. Uh, Vader then body slams Takeda and he gets up at 7. So Vader slams him again and he gets up at 6. On the third knockdown, Takeda gets up and comes back with some leg kicks to Vader, knocking him down. And then while trying for an armbar... Uh, but Vader tries and is able to make it to the ropes uh, before the armbar can even be applied. Now, I actually really like this, but one of the things that really kind of took me out of it was I'm a fan of actual boxing and then mixed martial arts. Yeah, and I was kind of waiting to see, like, okay, is there a three knockdown rule? Right. Is there something? But no, it was just kind of like this random... 10, I don't know if it was, they didn't even say it was a 20 count. I, I assumed it was a 10 because he was getting up so quick. I count. Because, yeah. But, but yeah, he, like, uh, Takata gets, like, knocked down, like, like, four or five times in the first, like, three minutes. And and it makes Vader look really strong, but, like, if it, this was an actual fight, they would just be like, okay, you need to, like. Yeah, you need to start fighting back. Or you're disqualified. Yeah. So Takeda comes back with more kicks and then a roundhouse kick and finally a back suplex to slam Vader to the mat. Takeda keeps trying to work for an armbar, but is always stopped by Vader. Takeda will come and get some good shots in, 
but with one shot, Vader will easily take Takeda take Takeda down. So that three times fast. Takeda then keeps coming back with knees to the chin of Vader, but Vader will punch Takeda, sending him down to the mat for a count. Takeda finally gets the upper hand on Vader, knocking him down after several punches. As the crowd counts along, Vader gets up at eight. More punches, and he tries for a powerbomb, but Takeda sandbags uh, him. And But finally, Vader lifts him up, gives him a big powerbomb, crumpling him up. But Takeda gets up at five, which I felt I was like, really? You got punched a couple times in the beginning of the match. You got him at freaking six and seven. But a big-ass powerbomb? No, you're going to give it five. Well, I think playing into the psychology of the match a little bit, it's going to be that uh, Takeda was resting during those early uh, punches. Even though they kind of took the wind out of him, he was resting and using the count to his advantage so that he could get keep his wind up. But with the powerbomb, it actually hurt him, so he needed to actually get up and do something. Fair enough. Okay, I'll take that. Um, so he gets up at five after Vader keeps on punching and knocking Takeda down. Finally, Takeda can't get up, and Vader is called the winner at 1924 by TKO. After the match, the judge agrees that Vader has won, and his young son comes down to the ring and gives him a kiss. Vader hoists this huge trophy up above him and a big, huge check. So he won a bunch of money and a trophy. I wonder if he had to legit keep that trophy. I don't know. But I will say that it's it was kind of cool seeing his son because his son actually became a professional wrestler after. Yeah, briefly. After. And then uh, didn't he get like injured where he had to retire? Uh, I, I, I don't think he's wrestling anymore. I don't know if yeah. it was because he got injured or he was in like the like original. I shouldn't say the original NXT because he was not, but he was. When NXT first became uh, shifted from a TV show to a show to promotion, what we know now, mm-hmm. he was one of the original people who was on who was featured on that quite heavily. Huh. And uh, and then he got released. I don't really know why, and I don't think he's wrestling anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he was really young. He was like eight or nine. It looked like. <clears throat> um. I mean, like, yeah, it was a nineteen-minute match, and I only had. Two paragraphs, three paragraphs worth of notes. The problem with this was it was just a lot of the same. It was a lot of just kick punch, kick punch, knock down, you know, trying to go for moves. It wasn't something that was really conducive to taking notes. And, uh, I mean, it was okay. That was kind of slow. I mean, it was a 19-minute match. I was like, Jesus Christ. And then just to kind of end by TKO was a little little eh. Hmm. You know, it kind of just came out of nowhere. And I was expecting more circumstance, more pomp or, you know, something more interesting to happen. I think you may have gleamed on to why the UWF is not around anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the concept, but it's like, hey, we did one move after a minute of trying. And then, okay, you got to count. Then you got to get back. Okay. Oh, hey, they kicked each other. Now you're down. Okay. I got to count. Like, this whole thing of, like, hey, it's pro wrestling with shoot fighting just doesn't work. And I see why it got abandoned. It was like, either be one or the other. 
not <coughs> this hybrid. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how this compares to a Pancreas match, because I haven't actually seen one of those. Neither have I. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was... It did, I don't know. I really can't even rate it, I feel. Like, it was okay. I I was expecting a more of a pro wrestling match. Mm. But, eh. It's interesting to watch. Something new. I, yeah. I, I mean, I felt like... For me personally, it was very easy to watch because it was so different than <coughs> what we normally see. So, I I think I liked it a bit more than you did, but it's certainly I could also see why this isn't a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. So was this worked? I mean, that's the thing I was trying to figure out. Like, obviously, oh, it was a hundred percent. Okay, worked. that's what I thought, and that's what I assumed. Yeah. No, um, so, um, the original Tiger Mask and Fujiwara and Antonio Inoki for, um, for his part as well, um, they were kind of the innovators of Strong Style, mm-hmm. which we now know, know and love today yeah. as we watch, uh, New Japan. Yep. But, especially, uh, Satoru Sayama, the original Tiger Mask, he didn't think that it was stiff enough. So um, that's why he initially formed the original UW so that it would be more more contact, harder hitting, more submission based. And so that's why there was not necessarily the pins, but there are definitely submissions and there's the 10 counts. Hmm. Okay. I mean, all those guys were trained by Frank Gotch and... Apparently Frank Gotch is kind of crazy too in terms of his his pedigree in terms of like grappling and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, let's move on to the next match. Mitsuhara Masawa versus Steve Williams. July 28th, 1994. So the crowd is firmly behind Masawa with a huge chance to start off the match. A lot of feeling each other out. But they finally slap start. And then an elbow from Masawa, who then spits on the ground as Steve approvingly shakes his head. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> that's great. Uh, so a flying spinning elbow takes down Williams and then a sleeper by Masawa. But the power of Williams is too much. He easily gets out again. Uh, Masawa then gets, goes back to it and gets it in again. Well, yeah, right. Sometimes, uh, the f- he gets uh, the way with words. Yeah, I am not literary in the least. He goes for a cover, uh, the first cover of the match, only gets a two, and then hits a big body slam and a nice running elbow for a two on Misawa. On the outside of the ring, Williams smashes the back of Misawa into the ring post and then slams on the ground. So there you go. He did the Oklahoma Stampede on the outside. Uh, he only he gets a two stopped. count. Yeah, must have. Williams continues to work over the lower back of Masawa with clubbing blows and slamming him back first into the corner. A power slam uh, on Masawa and a two count and then a double Boston leg crab to continue working over the small of the back. Oohs and ahs as Williams lifts up Masawa for a press slam and drops him to the corner. Uh, but Masawa comes back with a quick punch knocking Williams down. But it doesn't last long. Williams locks on a bear hug. 
Misawa at this point is slumped down in a pin position, but kicks out. That was kind of neat. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, like, booking uh, William Strong here. And, like, Misawa... Misawa was basically known for as a person who didn't like like to lose, didn't lose to like pretty much anybody, mm-hmm. especially around this time. This is like his peak period. Oh, and to see Williams be like really up there, it's like it was. I mean, really cause, cool to see because I assume that they'd play like the, you know, David versus Goliath kind of deal. You know, um, I mean, slightly because Misawa wasn't quite at his heaviest yet. Mm-hmm. And and Steve Williams is definitely uh, in tremendous shape. Like, he is ripped here. Oh, yeah. Misawa tries for kicks, but Steve Williams easily swats him away. He hits several right hands and punches. Williams tries for a lariat, but Misawa ducks and rolls out of the ring. Williams and hits uh, a diving suicide dive through the middle ropes, knocking Misawa down. I was shocked by this. I was like, holy shit! This big man look, doing a freaking suicide dive. Right. And the, and the other important thing is that he was doing it with the forearm forward. And that's Misawa's move. Oh. It's also Samoa Joe's move. Oh. Well, there you go. I learned something new today. Williams places Misawa back in the ring. He climbs to the top rope. Hits a flying shoulder block. And then a huge sit-out sit powerbomb for a near fall. Uh, Steve Williamson picks up. Masawa, like a rag doll, he hits a back suplex on Masawa as the crowd is roaring at this point. They were, they were going nuts. Oh, one other thing I didn't mention with uh, Steve Williams, mm-hmm. with um, with his time in Japan, is he was also very much known for those high angle backdrop suplexes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Steve Williams tries for another back suplex, but Masao gets a choke, but it is too close to the ropes, and Williams is easily able to get to them. Masao tries for a rolling elbow, but it's blocked. He hits a punch, and then finally hits a rolling elbow for a near fall. The announcer is losing his shit at this point. Masao has a double underhook power bomb for hits a double underhook power bomb for a near fall. Masao then climbs the top rope, hits a splash, and for another near fall. Uh, he hits another splash from the top rope for another near fall. So that's two of them now on, on Williams. Finally, Williams tries for a back suplex. And he has to work over the back of Misawa. But Misawa is able to get out and avoid the back suplex. Williams tries again and then finally hits it. Williams then hits a running uh, slam into the corner. And then a power slam for the near fall on Misawa. Then follows up with a back suplex again. And that finally gets the pin. So your winner, Steve Williams. So he does the Oklahoma Stampede and a high angle back suplex for the win. Yeah. So I didn't know the name of that. I just thought it was, you know, because I've seen it so much nowadays. I didn't know it was even a, you know, a a special move or whatever. Yeah. uh, In Japan, it actually has like, in Japan, it has two uh, names. It's either the high angle back suplex or the backdrop driver. Uh, basically, it's like a combination back suplex pile driver, <laughs> and, and and it's incredibly dangerous. Oh wow! Uh, I still do it, but it's like it's not. It's really not good for your neck. Huh? 
and 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 Misawa took a lot of them because a lot of people at the time did them. Oh, okay. And we all know how uh, Misawa died, so. Yeah. So, the third match here, I just looked at it and went, I never finished the match. I have notes. And then the notes just end. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. I tell you. You know what? We can just have it be two matches. It's fine. Yeah. I think we will. I, I think, Damn it. I think we, I think we, I think we have uh, an understanding of of these two um, gaijins in Japan. Yeah, and I, I would love to find. I'll be honest. Um, I really felt like I got enough with Steve Williams, but I feel like with the UWF match with, with Vader, I feel like maybe finding a famous match or. Even like looking at his WCW stuff, I think sometime would be really fun to go back to and revisit. I th- I think it would be the the thing is it's hard finding it's actually, his matches. It's 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 hard to find Vader matches from Japan. Yeah. Besides that UWF match. Hmm. No, and that that's I quickly realized that when I was trying to find something else, and it was like Jesus, come on. So right. yeah, unfortunately, I think we might be SOL. Did he ever wrestle for like New Japan? Vader? Yeah. Yeah, he he got his debut as Vader for New Japan. New uh, Vader was a New Japan character. Hmm. Okay. Well, then maybe uh, one of these months we will sign up for a trial of New Japan World. Maybe, because I think I uh, that would probably be where we could find his uh, like first matches with Inoki, uh, because that was kind of uh, where he got his um, his start. So... <laughs> um essentially uh Vader is a um six-time world champion because he won the IWGP championship three times mm-hmm. and he won the WCW championship three times. So those are like his major singles accomplishments. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, both Steve Williams and Vader are dead at this point. Uh, Vader died of uh, congestive heart failure, and Steve Williams died of throat cancer. Uh, yeah, so uh, Steve Williams passed away, I think, what, nine, a little, 2000s? He died in 2010, and I actually remember that because uh, it was my birthday. And he didn't die on my birthday, but... For my birthday, uh, some friends of mine had gotten me the PW Insider 500 edition for that year, mm-hmm. which came around out around my birthday, and they had, and it was really cool because I could see like what they ranked the wrestlers for that year, and it introduced me to a whole bunch of Japanese wrestlers, and that's kind of how I got started on this path of watching a lot of Japanese wrestling. But one of the oh. major articles was talking about Steve Williams dying. Because um, he had been suffering from throat cancer for a long time. I'm assuming he was a and smoker. Either that, or he had he was a big guy. He was a big chew guy. Ah. But he um. He would get these um, tumors in his throat, and so he would often like tell stories of him like coughing, and then he would just like cough up a tumor. Oh no. Right, like, and he'd just spit it out, and he'd laugh about it, but, like, it was not 
good. And I've actually seen his final match because he, he had a match in like 2009 at like this indie show and it was his retirement match. And it was sad. He had lost a lot of weight. He had no hair. It, he didn't look like himself. That's crazy because he, so he had cancer then. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, I just can't imagine. I just, I just lost my dad to stage four pancreatic cancer. And in 10 months, it went from, you know, 59, 58 year old, 58 year old guy to, he looked like a, you know, old man in 10 months to just think about you're wrestling with this disease and it's killing you. Right. You're brittle. I mean, holy shit. That's crazy. Right. And I mean, the, the type of cancer that uh, Steve Williams had actually was probably very treatable, but Mm -hmm. he didn't seek treatment for it. And so he had it for like three or four years. May, I I, I kind of wonder if he was just like, you know what? I, I, I've lived enough. I'm happy. Maybe. I mean, I, some I people don't know. are like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. The first thing, my first thought is, you're wrestling with fucking cancer. Are you that desperate for money? Like, did you not save? You know what I mean? That's my first thought is... Do you need money for treatment? Do you need what? You know, I mean, like, why well, are you doing this? A lot of these guys this? did not save their money at the time, so that is true, true, and sad. But um, no, and that's exactly what I'm thinking is, did you know there was a poor money management that led to him having to wrestle in that condition? That's that's really sad. Um, overall, I really getting back to track though. I really enjoyed this match. I mean, it was Prime Masawa. Uh, I like the story. I like that, you know, the story was, hey, I'm going to work over this guy's back so he can't do his big moves. And, uh, you know, I just, it was fun watching. Uh, Masawa was fun watching Steve Williams because I thought going into this match, I'm like, oh, they're going to play like the big show versus Rey Mysterio. And Masawa's going to ragdoll everywhere and, you know, be a bump machine. But no, they yeah, were like, Masawa even. Masawa play like that. <laughs> So, yeah, I really enjoy the match. I would give it a three stars. Yeah, I'd say it's probably a three or four star match. I I actually, um, Steve Williams actually had a couple of five star matches, and I don't know if that was one of them. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think the, I mean, I I know Dave, and I'm just going off of what Dave says, is a lot of the five star high, you know, matches are for their time and like obviously we're just watching these matches at random so right. we don't have the substance around it why are these guys meeting or whatever so well, this was this was for the triple crown oh okay so it was a championship match we didn't mention that but Sorry, the belt actually wasn't visible for the introductions and stuff like that oh i thought he was just coming out because he could it's masawa he had championships well, I, just I mean, he, he did, but it was for the Triple Crown Championship. Uh, Steve Williams had won the championship uh, uh, carnival, which is kind of all Japan's version of uh, the G1. Yep. So. Okay, that's my fault. I didn't write that portion down, so I just kind of watched the match. Like, okay, match is there. Cool. So. 
All right. Um, well, definitely. Uh, I've enjoyed watching these guys, getting to see something new. Um, it's been a while since we've done one of these. But uh, what would who, so it's your turn now to pick mm. our next spotlight. Well, um, I mean, last time you showed would... me death matches, so yeah, um, I won't do that again. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, I Maybe. won't do that again. <laughs> um, I think, I think this time uh, we we've been looking. We l- just looked at some gaijin. Um, so I think for our next Japanese wrestler spotlight, we're gonna go back to an actual Japanese wrestler, and uh, he is retiring this year. So we're going to look at some uh, Liger matches. Oh, yes. I would love to see some of his stuff in WCW. Um, and that's where I know him from. I remember the old days of, you know, Justin Liger. Then. I don't know much of his new stuff. Well, Other than um, the newest thing I remember was the NXT takeover he was at. One of the yeah, where ones. you fought Tyler Breeze. That was actually a really good match. Um considering he was 48 at the time. So I think one of the matches that we'll look at is going to be the Brian versus Jujin Thunder Liger match from the first uh, Nitro. That'd be, uh, yeah, that was the very first match that was interrupted yeah. by Lex Luger. Yes, with his puffy shirt. Yes. Uh, and then the other two matches are going to be uh, from his time in New Japan. I'll find stuff. Cool. Well, all right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We just released WrestleMania 18 not too long ago. And we are working on WrestleMania 19. So, so yeah, we're, we're, we're getting up to the uh, modern error stuff. We're getting there. For sure. Um, so it, we're going, you're going to start hearing names that you'll hear for the next, like, 10 years. Yes, Randy Orton. Ah. Uh, was he at 19? No. No, he wasn't. Randy but, Orton was like 21 uh, or 22. You know, Triple H and uh, Chris Jericho and stuff like that. We've we've been covering them, but definitely they're going to become more focal points and stuff like that. Uh, do you mind if I uh, plug something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, I like podcasting, and so I decided that I going to start a, I, another podcast. Uh, this is something that I do on my by myself. Uh, the podcasts are about books because reading is my other big passion in life. It's called Reviewing the Realms. Um, so if you would like to hear more from me, you can listen to those. Um, and they're like 10 minutes long, at 10, 10, 15 minutes at the most. So they're like pretty short, digestible stuff. Cool. Does your bird join you as well? Sometimes. Well, there you go. There's the hook. What's the bird? But the, but the bird it really likes the wrestling podcast. Yes, <laughs> clearly, every fucking time. But yeah, check it out. Review of the realms. I probably butchered that, didn't I? It's reviewing the realms. Reviewing but that's the cool. realms. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a website? Where can people find you? You can find me at. Um, well, you could just look it up on iTunes. Reviewing the realms. Also on 12 other platforms, Spotify, Google Podcast, all that other stuff. I have a WordPress, but like it's... Yeah, no. I believe me. WordPress is just kind of there. Right. So just look it up on iTunes. It's Actually, fun. Actually, have we talked about our new website? 
We haven't talked about our new website. Oh shit! We actually haven't talked about our anything. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, as as probably longtime listeners were aware, we were uh, working with a podcast network called Cosmic Potato, and um, we decided to part ways for various reasons. And uh, we have now gone out on our own. I haven't got around to editing out the Cosmic Potato bumper and probably probably won't in the previous episodes. So it's still there. Um, but we now have a website at reviewomania.com. And I dumped a lot of time, more than I wish to admit, into that website. Uh, but it, I, to me, it looks really freaking fantastic. And our content is right there in your face. And, uh, yeah, no, Rob, Rob, like put a lot of time and effort in there and I kind of feel guilty cause I just sort of said, it looks good. Keep it up, man. <laughs> so I did up a quick intro, our new logo, which someone has told me they get vertigo from, from looking at, because I was trying to, if you look at the, ver- I'm thinking about changing it cause the blurriness is kind of off putting. But I tried it. I it took, is. It, it's, it looks like you put Vaseline over all the WrestleMania logos. Yes, because you're gonna get fucked if you watch it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we're now on our own. I'm still. We're on iTunes. I haven't bothered with the Spotify's and Google's of the world yet. I haven't got that far. Um, honestly, iTunes is it's the number one place I go. So. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. So we it's not, we decided to like leave Cosmic Potato because there was just a lack of communication, basically. And Rob and I are, are doing this for fun. We're not necessarily doing this for money and, and, and those sorts of things. And um, when it got to the point where it wasn't necessarily fun to record an episode and then have to argue about getting it up and stuff like that. Um, so we're just uh we're just we're a little bit more happy now yep and you know at the end of the day um you know there's stuff that dictated i won't go into of why we were seeing what we were seeing at the end of the day though it was a happy split uh wish cosmic potato nothing but the best and all their their podcasters all that good stuff end of the day we are happy just going out on our own and doing our own thing plowing the uh plowing our own path as it were so Yes. Yes. Check out our website. Uh, let us know what you think. Comments. I wouldn't mind a reviewer five on iTunes. But uh, yeah, give us some five star reviews um, or three stars. You know, one. we're not we're not necessarily saying that we're the Dave Meltz. No oh, hell no. Reviewing a WrestleMania podcasts, but um, you know, you could try to break the scale if you'd like. Seven point five stars would be nice. There, there you go. Um. Also, you can give us feedback at um, reviewmania at gmail.com or reviewmaniapodcast at gmail.com. Either of those. I'm thinking about just making feedback or like mailbag or feed or something at reviewmania.com, but whatever. We have a million ways to reach out to us. Figure it out. Um, And so, yeah, (laughs) just uh, check us out and uh, give us us feedback. Uh, Tell us what you think because we know that you're listening. See the numbers. Yes. And thank you very much. And and I'll be honest, 
I've been podcasting for 10 plus years and engagement is usually really low unless you really, really try to engage with your listeners. And I'll be honest, I do this for fun. I don't do this for profit and I don't engage with our listeners. Now, if you email us or leave us comments, we'll read them. We'll definitely get back to you, but uh, I'm not going to start a Facebook group or anything crazy like that. I don't have the time, but I mean, I don't have the time either to do those sorts of things. I, but if you do email, you're going to get me first and foremost, and yep. I will definitely write back to you and, and those sorts of, so. Yep. Anyway, but thank you very much for listening. So yeah, uh, WrestleMania 19 will come up sooner than later. Then we got Jutsun Thunder Lager. Yay. All right, everybody. Thank you as always for listening. Have a good one. Bye-bye.